Welcome to Conversations with Coaches, where top executive coaches talk about the tools that shape their practice and then give them to you for free. This is a stakeholder-centered coaching production where we believe everyone deserves a stakeholder-centered leader. I'm Brandon Murgard, CEO and Master Coach, and I'll be your host as we take you inside the Coach's Toolbox. The best part of this season is that you get to keep all the tools. We're giving each resource to our listeners for free as part of our mission to measurably improve leadership effectiveness around the world. You can download all the tools here at mgscc.net forward slash coach dash toolbox. That's mgscc.net forward slash coach dash toolbox. And by the way, if you are a stakeholder centered coaching certified coach, you already have all these tools inside of your SCC coach portal. So get your tools today. Now, ladies and gentlemen, our distinguished guest today is none other than Mr. Chester Elton. Chester is no stranger to the world of broadcasting, thanks to his early involvement in broadcast radio in Canada. Since then, he's compiled quite an impressive resume. He's evolved into an executive coach, a best-selling author, and even the host of the popular podcast, Anxiety at Work. From his early days in radio to publishing 14 books, Chester's spent his life sharing the best of what he knows. His professional life took a soaring leap when he crossed paths with Marshall Goldsmith at a conference in Milan. This chance meeting opened the doors to the esteemed 100 Coaches community, setting the stage for a flourishing career in executive coaching. Despite this whirlwind professional life, Chester remains rooted in his faith, family, and friendships. A doting father to four, and a proud grandfather to three, he enjoys nothing more than spending quality time with his loved ones. As we embark on this discussion with Chester today, prepare to be inspired by his insights, experiences, and the unique blend of wit and wisdom he brings to the table. Welcome to the show, Chester. Well, Brandon, that's quite an introduction. Uh, thank you very much. It's, uh, it's a delight to be here, and as you know, a huge fan of Stakeholder Center Coaching. I love that. And Chester, you know, I'm very grateful that you've given your time. And I'm also very grateful that you're giving your your energy. And with that, I, I'd like to share uh, a brief anecdote of our most interaction, our most recent interaction that took place in Tennessee. Uh, we were so we're setting things up. We, we were at the the Fisher Performing Arts Center at Belmont University. Uh, the conference we're attending is wrapped up, and we're standing in a group gathered around Alan Mullally, former CEO of Ford and Boeing, and you know one of Marshall's very dear friends. And as he's you know just fielding questions from us in this little circle, the staff are cleaning up. There's clamoring all around, um, and you came and joined the circle in this bright orange shirt and bright socks, bright orange glasses. And I just—I don't remember. Everything was orange. Um, and as soon as you broke into that circle, the, the the whole energy of the room just rose by like forty percent. And you you carried this air of, you know, I'm not sure how to describe it, but it was we're going to have a great time whether you like it or not. Like this is going to be a blast, and we're all going to have a great time. Um, and it felt like an, a, a call to adventure and to joy. And it just seemed like everyone. Even those who didn't know you felt it and responded. And so since then, I've been very eager to get a chance to sit down and ask, what, what, what's with all the orange, Chester? 
what's with the orange, buddy? Yeah, you know, I, I grew up in uh, in Vancouver, Canada. I lived in New Jersey now for well over thirty years, and so I've got a lot of Jersey in me. You know, it's like, hey, buddy, what's with the what's with the orange? You know, what 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 what, what are you doing? You know, um, Adrian Gostick is my co-author, and and the first series of books that we wrote all had the word carrot in it. You know, our work is around creating these really engaging and and grateful cultures, and so. We we wrote that, you know, the managing with carrots, the 24 carrot manager, a carrot a day, you know, um, uh, perpetual calendar. That was a lot of fun, actually. And and our really our best selling book was called The Carrot Principle. Well, I'd never thought that I would be the orange guy, but, you know, carrots, generally speaking, are orange. And so people started sending me like orange socks and and carrot birdhouses and all these crazy things. And so when I met Marshall, you know, Orange had started to kind of be my color. And people, once you start doing it, then they expect it. And if you don't show up, like it's so funny, I started to wear orange socks everywhere. And uh, went to church one day. And uh, after church, my friend called me. He had seven little girls. It was this beautiful little family. You just see them all in a row, right? He said, uh, hey, Chester, I got to call you. My, my, my daughters were just so disappointed seeing you in church today. I go, oh, really? Did I, did I inadvertently do something to offend them? He goes, no, you didn't, you didn't wear orange socks. I mean, they look forward to it every week. I thought, well, now I'm trapped, you know, now. Uh, and so my wife actually, uh, for her Facebook group, she took a picture of my sock drawer. They're all orange socks, you know. And, and then Marshall, of course, uh, my mentor, and, and is, who's beyond delightful and, and kind, uh, he always wears a green shirt. So I said, okay, well, I'll, I'll wear an orange shirt every day. And by the way, Really easy to get dressed in the morning. You know, all they've got to figure out is do I wear blue jeans, black jeans, or gray jeans? <laughs> you know, and I've got the shirt and and, uh, and we're off. So orange has become our color. And, and I have to tell you, Brandon, it's a joyful color. You know, you mentioned you come into the group and, you know, uh, really the colors in life in general have become really muted. You know, they're browns and grays and blacks. And, and uh, my kids used to give me a hard time. They'd go, Dad, you're always wearing this bright orange. Until we would go to like a hockey game or we'd go to Disney World or something. And then they, they could always find me. I was the beacon that everybody could rally around. And I'll, I'll do this for you really quick. But I've become sort of an expert on the color orange, as you might guess, over the last you know 15 years. Orange is the one color that colorblind people can sometimes differentiate. So if you've got friends that are colorblind, not unusual for them to wear a lot of orange because it's kind of bright. Orange is the last color that disappears at depth. So a lot of diving watches have orange faces. It's the color of transition. There you go, your, your orange watch band. Uh, it's the color of transition, you know, sunrise, sunset. The orange revolution in the Ukraine was because it's, you know, it's energy giving. Um, and, and on and on and on. It's also the color of optimism, which I love. And so there's a lot of orange that makes a, a lot of sense, and I just find it joyful. Now, you, you know, uh, Rob Nail, uh, a friend of ours who's part of the 100 Coaches, he was the CEO of uh, um, the university out there in, in uh, Silicon Valley. Um, it'll come to me. Anyway, we were flying down. What, what, you know, uh, yeah, what was it? No, 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 no. It's, uh, anyway, it's this think tank for Silicon Valley. It'll come to me in a minute. Anyway. Uh, and we got to be uh, good friends. Well, we were flying down to be with you in Nashville. And I'd nestled into my seat. And then about a few rows back, I hear this guy, hey, buddy, you know, turn down that shirt. It's a little, you know, it's a little bright. And I turn around, it's Rob. <laughs> and, 
And so we sat together on the plane and had a great conversation. So, and people will ask me all the time. They'll say, like, I noticed you had an orange shirt. Uh, and I know she had orange socks, but when you put on the orange glasses, I thought I have to ask this guy, what's with the orange? <laughs> so it's turned out to be joyful and a really a good brand. And, you know, we learned from Marshall, if you're going to wear the green shirt, you wear the green shirt. Well, I wear the orange shirt. So long answer to a very simple question, but I hope, uh, I hope that was fun. Well, it is. I've been curious about it since, since uh, we first crossed, pa crossed paths. And did you say you've been doing this for 15 years? Well, Adrian and I, yeah, Adrian and I have been writing books together for 22 years. And where the orange really kicked in was probably after about four or five years. And that's when I, I got into the orange trap. Now, Adrian doesn't. He's, he was born in England. <laughs> He's a very uh, much more, more muted. And uh, yeah, no, you won't see Aaron, uh, Adrian wearing a bright orange shirt, but that's the Englishman in him. Yeah. Um, singularity. Singularity University. That's it, Rob Nail. Who's beyond brilliant and, and a dear friend, and I love the, love him to death. Oh, that's such a good story, and and you know, thinking on the past fifteen years, you know, have you had any regrets about locking into orange, or has it really been as logistically simple as it seems? You just put on. Yeah, no, I, I I'm so glad you asked that. I I actually I love it. I embrace it. And, and uh, friends and family, it's, I'm so easy to buy for, <laughs> you know, they'll come across, uh, you know, random things that are orange and they just show up in the mail, you know. Um, in fact, uh, you know, as we were saying before we, we hit record, uh, we read a, a, a book launch in, in New York City with uh, Hortense uh, Le, uh, Le Gentil. She got a wonderful book called The uh, Unlocked Leader. And it was so funny because friends that I hadn't seen in years that had flown in for it, as we're sitting there afterwards, they said, we knew you were here because we could pick you out of the, you were, you were just this bright light. And then Hortense, you know, we, we'd, we'd done some work with her book. Uh, she's very good friends with um, uh, Ralph Lauren, who's in her book. And for my birthday, I don't know if you're going to use the, the video in here, but she said, I promised you a gift. And of course, it's this beautiful Ralph Lauren. Oh, look at that. I know. How, how beautiful is that? You know? And, um, and and Ralph Lauren was there at the book launch. So, you know, it's it's so interesting, Brandon, and you know this from the 100 coaches and the Stakeholder Center Coaching. It's full of remarkably kind and generous people. And I I, I, I came home last night and, and my son was here with our grandkids. And, and I was sharing all this stuff and Marshall was there and Hortense was there and Hubert and on and on. He said, you know, Dad, it's good for you to get out because when you come back, you are so energized. And I, and I said, you can't, and you know this from, from Nashville, you can't be with these coaches. You can't be, and, and it is so affirming because, you know, your, your news feed on your phone will tell you that the world's coming to an end probably before lunch, you know. And then you get out and you find there are wonderful people everywhere. And their mission through Stakeholder Center Coaching is to make the world a little better place, one leader at a time. And, and you've been doing it for decades, and I'm sure we'll get into that a little more. Uh, if, if you are at all interested in being remembered, uh, being, you know, uh, making a difference, um, coach, teach and coach. You, you think of the people that had the biggest impact on your life. It was your teacher, uh, over and above your family, which hopefully was positive. Um, is your your teachers and your coaches. If if you want to make a difference, if you want to have a legacy and you want to be remembered, teach and coach.
That's beautiful. And it's a good segue into my first question, Chester, which is, you know, how did you get here? How did you go from what you were doing to actually becoming this person that you are today, shaping cultures, leading leaders? Give me this, give us the backstory. Yeah, you know, the way you phrased that reminds me of the old Talking Heads song. Well, how did I get here? <laughs> you know, um, and it's interesting, you know, Adrian and I, we are, we published our first book in 2000. And, you know, and then we've written 14 books together since then. And we would present and we'd, we'd put together workshops and training and so on. And we would get asked, you know, uh, do you coach? And I would say, you know, I don't. And they'd say, well, why? You know, you've got all this great material. And I said, I, I don't know how. I, I don't have a methodology. We've got a methodology for our research and our writing. We've got a formula for our training and workshops and so on. And it always kind of scared me a, a, a little bit. Well, enter Marshall Goldsmith. And we, we met in Milan, Italy. He and I were both presenting at the same conference. And we uh, <laughs> we were having the dinner before with the, the speakers. And we were sitting together. And my wife came with me, my lovely wife, Heidi. We just celebrated 40, our 40-year 40 anniversary. And it was so funny because, yeah. So we're sitting there. And um, he's chatting with me. And my wife pointed out later. He said, you know, Marshall really wasn't paying much attention to me. Now, my my wife is very youthful. She, she's like, you know, Dorian Gray. She's got the photo in the attic or the painting and she doesn't age, right? Um, and so as we're talking, and you, you know Marshall, he says stuff that you probably shouldn't say out loud, you know? And he says to me, so how did you two meet? I said, oh, we, we, we met at university. We both went to, to BYU. He says, oh, I thought for sure she was your second wife. <laughs> and I went... I mean, he's thinking this, this sweet young thing is my trophy wife. I said, no, we've been, you know, we've been married for like 33 years. And he goes, oh, and he said, and it was so funny because Heidi then said, at that moment, all of a sudden I had value. <laughs> you know, now he, now he paid attention to her because I hadn't dumped my, you know, my previous wife for the sweet young thing. This was the sweet young thing of 33 years or whatever it was at the time. So I, I laughed and I said, you know, Marshall, he probably shouldn't say stuff like that out loud, you know. And by the way, a wonderful compliment to my wife for her youthful look. But I don't know what that says about me that you would think that I would have dumped my first wife. Yeah, I know. So anyway, so at this at this dinner, uh, Marshall had called me some months before and said, "Hey Chester, we've, we're putting together this this leadership group, this coaches group, um, and we're going to call it the MG100. And I'd love to invite you to be a part of it. Can you be in wherever it was?" And, I said, no, I've actually gotten engaged. She said, no problem. Click. You know, Marshall, he's very efficient uh, in his career. I was like, wow, well, you know. So he says, hey. And then I said, hey, what about that leadership thing you mentioned? He goes, oh, you should come. You know, in December, we're having a thing at the World Bank. And it's Dr. Jim Kim. It's going to be amazing. I said, yeah, it sounds great. He says, can you be there? And I looked at my calendar. I said, yeah, I could. Yeah. You know, I live in Jersey. It's D.C. It's not that far away. And I could rearrange some travel. And, and yeah, I said, I think that'll work. Tell me what it is. He says, it would take too long. Just just come. I said, yeah. Seriously, Marshall, like, what is it? <laughs> like, what what does this group do? He goes, Chester, just trust me. Uh, just come. And, and and you'll figure it out when you get there. So I went, yeah, sure, what the heck. You know, so I'll go. And and I knew Marshall not particularly well at that point. And I, I knew him. And I knew, we had friends that were friends. And they, you know, everybody speaks so highly of my that. Sure, I'll take a flyer. It's, you know, it's a, a, a day or two out of my life. And it was this fabulous meeting uh, with Dr. Jim Kim at the World Bank. And, and the people in the room were just remarkable. And I, I, I remember 
as it, it, Marshall sent out all their resumes and I met him at the, as we were going through security and I said, Marshall, uh, thank you for sending out those resumes. That was, that was, this is an impressive group. And he looked at me and he said, I know what you're thinking. I said, really? What am I thinking, Marshall? He says, you're thinking you don't belong. I said, well, it wasn't lost on me that I'm not the president of the World Bank and I don't own an NBA basketball team and then went down the list of all these amazing people. And then, you know, and this is Marshall, ever the coach, right? He said, Chester, I wouldn't have invited you if you didn't belong. Uh, welcome to the group. And I sat there and was, yeah, I know. I mean, isn't that just the perfect thing to say? And then it was funny when it was all done. Uh, you know, I was talking to my wife. She said, how was it? I said, it was amazing. I said, I don't know how I got in the room to tell you the honest truth. But I will tell you this. I'm not leaving. <laughs> You're going to have to drag me out feet first. Well, in, in, in this whole, you know, welcoming and ridiculously kind and generous community, Frank Wagner pops up. And he says, Chester, just love, you know, your books and, and all the wonderful things you're doing. Um, are you coaching? And I said, you know, Frank, I, I, I don't know how to coach. I, I don't have a methodology. I don't he goes, not a problem. We're offering a, a, a certification for the stakeholder-centered coaches. And I've got a workshop in Jersey City coming up, which is, you know, 20 minutes from my house. Uh, would you like to come? I said, oh, Frank, I... I would love to come. And of course, Frank Wagner is the coach of coaches, right? He's been doing this. I think he invented coaching. He and Marshall really invented the whole genre. And we had so much fun. I took he and his uh, chief of staff at the time. I can't remember her name. We, I Again, I'm Canadian. It all comes back to hockey. We, I got tickets to a, a New Jersey Devils hockey game and we went to the game. And, and, and Frank and I have become fast friends and gone back and recertified uh, two or three times. And now I had a methodology. Now I had a, a roadmap. And I often talk with Frank that, you know, when you speak and you write, it's you're preaching to the masses. And, and that's important, right? When you coach, it's like you're ministering to the one. And the ripple effect of, of coaching to these senior leaders, the way it ripples through their organizations and their teams, has a dramatic impact. And so... Yeah, I, I love, you know, Marshall and I, we, we love the stage. Why wouldn't you? It's a lot of fun, and we, and we make it fun. And yet I think the the most important work we do is is through the coaching because you get to go deeper, and it's more time. It's not 60 minutes on stage. It's it's six months. It's 12 months. And, uh, and I know you know this too, Brandon, being the CEO, is that uh, the executives that you coach often – become dear friends. They often become dear friends. And, and, and friendship is very high on my motivator scale. So, and, and I, 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 said to him, I said it to him last night. I said, you know, Marshall, I, I can't thank you enough for inviting me to be a part of this group because some of my nearest and dearest friends are in the 100 Coaches community. And I never would have met them had it not been for you and your, your kindness. Yeah. I think it's very easy with this group to walk in, I mean, to, with any sampling of, of the, the people in the group, to feel like the least accomplished person in the room at any given point with any given list of, of, uh, of members. And it sounds like you had that feeling the first time you saw kind of that first permutation of the, the group, yes? Oh, yeah. And, and again, Marshall, ever the coach, because, you know, there was a, 
Gail Miller, who is one of the kindest people you'll ever meet, and her husband built this huge empire of car dealerships and movie theaters, and they bought the Utah Jazz and and the whole bit. We had that. Uh, yeah, I know they own an NBA. Like, and I'm sitting there, you know, and I'm thinking, what? And her wonderful son, uh, brilliant Miller, and we we've become uh, uh, friends as well. And and he said he said to me, he goes, Chester, it's it's all a matter of perspective. For example, you say, oh, man, they own an NBA franchise. You know what Gail Miller's saying? She's saying, ooh, Chester Allen, he sold 1.5 million copies of his book. Like, how cool is that? So, you know, it's kind of like, so don't don't, don't shortchange yourself. Like, I, I, you know, you sell a million books. That's a big deal, I go. Okay, I'm in. You're right. I'm, I, 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 I totally deserve to be here, <laughs> you know. And uh, and and on and on. So it is a matter of perspective, right? He says it's so funny. They've got all these really accomplished business leaders and stuff. And you know what they all want to do? I said, what is? They all want to write a book. <laughs> and and you've written a whole bunch. So you're like you're oddly enough, uh, you're in awe of them. They want to be you. And I thought that that was just such a fun way to to express it. And uh, it's been great. It is. There's such there's such symbiosis in what we're all doing, and it's such an intellectually driven um, group. You know, I would I would interrupt you on that. Uh, intellectually driven, absolutely. It is more emotionally driven than any group I've ever been a part of. They're super smart people. So you're right. The intellectual, like the discipline, you know, the, their accomplishments and how they do it. It's the emotional side that makes it magical, because everybody checks their ego at the door. Like everybody, and their and their mission is how can I make your day a little better? How can I help you sell a few more books? How can I help you get another coaching contract? Because there's that emotional connection that says what you and and and, and we say this to each other all the time, you know, Hortense, your book, this this you know, the Unlocked Leader, is a message that's so important for people. How can we help you amplify that message? And they'll turn right around and say, Chester, the world needs more orange. <laughs> you know, we need more gratitude. And what can we do? And so absolutely, you're right. There's a, a, an intellectual foundation that is extraordinary. It's the emotional connection, I think, just in my humble opinion, that makes it magical. Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. And to your, your credit, what you mentioned earlier is if you want to make a difference, coach. And I think that the co uh, coaching is a strong link between that combination of the emotion and the intelligence and the wisdom and actually the implementation of it. Coaching really does bridge that gap. Well, so you came, came in and said, I don't have a methodology. Frank put stakeholder center coaching in your hand. And then on the back side of that program, did you feel okay, now I, I can go out and apply the things that I've done. Did you feel like, okay, I've got a little sliver and I need a lot more? What was your experience going through that process? Uh, excellent uh, question, Brandon. Yeah, I, uh, you know, intellectually, I understood it. And it's a very simple system and it's beautiful the way it's just outlined, you know, courage, humility, and discipline and the seven steps and stakeholders and all that. I mean, it's, it, 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 you know, as you introduce your coachees to it, like they get it right away. And uh, the simplicity is beautiful. The execution is really hard, right? Because you got to stick to it and you've got an accountability partner and so on. So I came away intellectually going, hey, this is going to be really cool with absolutely no confidence that I could actually do it. 
You know, and, and then Frank just said, uh, it was great. He said, just start doing it and you'll figure it out. And, and as, as, as you would know better than anyone, and then you bring your experience and you bring your methodology that adds to it. You know, no stakeholder-centered coaching coach, I think, coaches the same way. There's the flow and there's the discipline. And yet in that, of course, is, you know, we introduce a lot of, of, of gratitude, which is, which is part of the stakeholder-centered coaching, right? Whenever you get feed forward, what's the only answer you give? Thank you. Well, that's great. That's gratitude, right? And that's a great, that's a great little discipline. You know, that, that is one of those moments with executives. That's an amazing breakthrough. Don't, uh, don't defend your answer. Don't justify your behavior. Just say thank you and move on. It's just so powerful. Right. And by the way, I use that with my kids, my grandkids and my wife all the time. You know, they'll say, you know, pop up, you shouldn't do this thing. Thank you. Thank you for telling me. And, and in a way, it kind of frustrates them because, <laughs> you know, they kind of sometimes people want to fight. And when you don't fight and you're gracious, they kind of go. <laughs> yeah. Or they want judgment. They want you to say great idea. Good suggestion. Yeah. That's what, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so. So anyway, and so it was. And, and you know, uh, the, the community is really great about saying, hey, look, we've got a guy that would we think would be a good match. Why don't you talk to him? And. We started to coach, and and now it's it's literally the best part of my day when I see I've got a, had a coaching session earlier today, and you know it's it's the best part of my day to get to to interact with those people and make a suggestion as to what you might do and then follow up. It's great. Yeah, and you go in knowing exactly what's going to happen too, right? There's rarely procedural surprises. You might have surprises of input and environment or something, but um, have you heard, so Frank's, Frank's perspective on stakeholder center coaching and how he describes it has also um, evolved since, and as long as I've known him, have you heard, heard him describe it as an operating system by chance? Uh, yeah, absolutely. In fact, early on, um, it's so interesting you mentioned it because I'm about to do a thing with Frank to, to go through it again. Uh, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things where refresher courses are so great and the material is so, is so detailed and, and helpful because, you know, you, you coach for a while and like anything, you get a little lazy and you maybe shortcut a little bit and then you go back and they walk you through and they go, yeah, you know what, I've got to be more disciplined. I got to make sure that I, I keep doing that, that piece. I'll, I'll tell you a funny story about Frank. So as you know, Marshall is in the, uh, Thinkers 50 Hall of Fame or, or whatever they call it and and got the Thinkers 50. This is this organization in London. It's very prestigious and every other year they rank these leaders and so on. So a while ago we all went to London and had a great time. And he got him to uh, do the Thinkers 50 top 50 coaches and and I got on the list and I was just so honored, you know, and they published the list and Marshall called me. We were talking about something. I said, hey, by the way, uh, I can't believe I'm this, you know, thinkers 50, you know, top 50 coaches in the world. And I said, and I can't believe I'm like number 12. In fact, I'm ranked like way ahead of Frank Wagner. And like, how did that happen? And he, and he laughs and he says to me, Chester, it's alphabetical. Elton is going to be way higher than Wagner. Yeah. And, and I, I laughed so hard. We had such a kick. I said, well, now that you've told me that, you and I know that, I'm still telling my friends I'm number 12. Oh, that's so funny, Chester. 
Have you told Frank that story? <laughs> yeah, I did. I said, Frank, and, and, and then he said, that, I said, well, that makes all the sense in the world because there's no way in any universe I get ranked higher than Frank. I mean, I, I wouldn't even be a coach without Frank Wagner, you know, and, 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 and he laughed. So we had such a good laugh about that. It was, uh, it was funny. So, you know, um, and, and this, again, is the 100 Coaches community that, that keeps expanding and making you know, executive coaching, much more mainstream. You know, uh, we talk about this all the time that, you know, when I first got in business, if an executive got a coach, it was sort of the last gasp effort to save his or her career. Like, in fact, you'd even say, ooh, you know, so-and-so's got a coach. Yeah, I think I'm going to apply for that job because it's, it's going to be open in a couple of a couple of weeks, right? So, you know, um, constantly promoting the profession and, uh, and making it mainstream. And now, you know, you go into organizations and they'll say, hey, how come you've got a coach and I don't have a coach? <laughs> you know, what's, what, what, did I do something wrong? Uh, you know, so, um, yeah, again, I just come back to a, a, an amazing community. And, and Marshall and, and Frank, who's done more for executive coaching than those two guys? You know, I, I can't think of anybody. Yeah. 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 I've, you know, what's funny is we're now in season two and I, I think we have yet to have an episode where someone hasn't said, you know, I think the most, one of the most influential people in my career has been Frank. Um, he's just, just, this is almost a celebration of Frank's impact on people. Uh, Um, okay, good. So you've become an executive coach through this uh, through this incredible roller coaster that sounds like it started in Milan and has continued through to present day. What were some of the challenges that you've noticed along the way that you set out to solve with this tool? Well, you know, um, such an insightful uh, you know way to look at it, uh, Brandon. Because you know, you look at leaders today, and you know. Adrian, my co-author, we've been studying, you know, culture and leadership for over two decades now. And if you'd asked us even five years ago, you know, pre-COVID, um, what are the attributes of great leaders? You'd say, well, a great, you know, a great communicator, a great motivator, you know, uh, gets things done, you know, moves the ball forward or whatever, you know, lots of analogies. Now, and, and I think, you know, it was starting before COVID, but certainly COVID accelerated the process is that um, coaching, the, the biggest obstacle is getting coaches to be more empathetic and be more human. You know, um, in his brilliant book, What Got You Here Won't Get You There, you know, the 22 things that most leaders work on, 
Uh, one is that I've always got to be right, that I've got to be the smartest person in the room. You know, they have problems delegating and so on. Well, that's a lack of empathy, right? A lack of of really leading humans as opposed to leading workers or associates or whatever you, you know, designation you use for your employee workforce. So the biggest obstacle it really is, is to have people step back, at least I'm finding, and say, you know, there is no barrier between your work life and your personal life. So when people walk through the door, you've, you've, you're, you are leading the whole person. And you've got to be disciplined about knowing their story. You know, where did they come from? How did they get here? What do they want to accomplish while they're here? And where do they want to go? Um, and and I'm going to try to condense this as quick as I can. I, I, I love reading the books from the 100 Coaches community and on and on. But, you know, there's a wonderful book uh, written called Bowling Alone. And it's sort of the history of American society. And I think it's the, the history of most society, Western societies, at least. That, you know, our parents were very social. You know, they, they belonged to clubs and, and charities and, you know, the Kiwanis Club and, and you know, the, the Knights of Columbus and the Elks Club and, you know, the Masons and so on. Everybody went to church. And I remember my mom had a bridge club and my dad, you know, was in a tennis group and on and on. And what his work says is that over time, a lot of these have, have, you know, declined or disappeared. I love the title, Bowling Alone. There's no more bowling leagues. I'm just going to, but I like to knock over the pins, you know. And so what is replacing that? Well, you know, Bob Waldinger is the, is the managing director of this incredible study at Harvard over 80 years long about what creates a long, happy and healthy life. His wonderful book, The Good Life, came out, I think, February this year. The number one determining factor of a long, happy, and healthy life is meaningful relationships. Well, if, 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 if you know, pe- fewer and fewer people are going to church, that's a community. If fewer and fewer people are in bowling leagues, that's a community. You're bridge club and you get the drift, right? What is replacing that community? And I would submit that it's work. You know, now, and, and particularly with, you know, our smartphones and so on, the work is 24-7, Right. Uh, you know, it's, 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 it's the work day somewhere because work is so global. I mean, it may be the end of the day for me here. It's the beginning of the day in Singapore, right? So, um, so this delineation. So where do I go to find my community? Uh, a work has replaced a lot of that. And you're seeing it in companies offering, you know, more benefits and counseling and clubs like the best place to, to start your career, the best place for working mothers, the best place for, you know, uh, women in leadership and on and on. So now as a leader, it's so interesting that people aren't expecting you to just be a leader and just make them a better worker. You are now their coach. You are their teacher. You are their mentor. You're not just the leader. You're their father confessor, right? You're, you're now the, and you're, you're the psychologist and, and so on, which by the way, is a heavy lift. That's asking a lot of people, right? So as a coach, you come in and say, look, you're not going to be able to be all those things. I will be able to teach you with your stakeholders and, and the methodology how to lead better in that ridiculously different environment that than you probably grew up in, right? And we're going to teach you how to be more human. We're going to teach you how to connect. We're going to teach you how to ask more questions. We're going to teach you how to make it safe for people to give you feedback, which, of course, we call feed forward. And 
And I, I love doing this at the beginning of every coaching engagement. I, I tell the, the coaches, look, if we just make you a better leader, we will have failed you. We want to help you become the person that you want to be, a better person. So write this quote down on a little post-it note and put it up in the upper right-hand corner of your laptop. And it goes like this. No success in business can ever compensate for failure in your home. And isn't that powerful? As a, as a religious uh, you know, philosopher named David O. McKay years ago, he said it in like the 60s, right? However prescient was that. So uh, what I love doing is at the end of every coaching session, I'll say, okay, we've gone through this with, let's say it's feed forward or delegation, or as you might guess, you know, gratitude is a, a big part of my, my coaching. How are you going to take that principle home and apply it to your marriage, to your partner, to your kids? And, and the best feedback, feed forward that I think you can get as a coach is when you're wrapping it all up, whether it's a six-month engagement or a year-long engagement, when they say, yes, I've got better leadership scores. I've got a more engaged and productive team. More than anything, I just want to thank you. I've got a better relationship with my spouse. I've got a better relationship with my kids. That's, it doesn't get any better than that, right? Oh, yeah. I agree wholeheartedly. I mean, coaching to me is a way to affect families. You know, I see everything going on. Well, everything that has gone on for, you know, however long people have been around, I think many of these successes and failures can be attributed back to the family. And we see as you say, people's communities are disappearing. So they go home with all of that longing, that stress, that desire to connect. And who do they trauma dump it on? It's the people in their house. It's the proximity. And if we can fix that with things like feed forward and just really simple tools, like saying thank you, like asking what to get better at rather than just using your intuition. Um, but let me pause and say, Chester, what is feed forward for those who, who are unfamiliar with it? Yeah, it's a, it's a, a very simple you know, it's a very simple way of taking feedback and I think making it more positive. You know, I, whenever I, I coach this, I say, look, it's very Shakespearean. You know, would a rose by any other name smell as sweet? And the answer is, uh, no, a rose smells better. Like a rose is a good, <laughs> it's a good name. Use that, right? Um, is that, you know, feedback is, is looking backwards and you, you can't change the past. So what I want to give you is feed forward starting here going forward what you can do you know to make it better and 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 i love that perspective you know um we did a deep dive on anxiety in the workplace and it was really interesting as we talked to counselors they say you know depression is worrying about the past and the reason that is depressing is because you can't change it there's nothing you can do you, you just have to live with it right anxiety is worrying about the future so, you know, how you deal with both those is try to be as present as possible. And, of course, that's a big part of stakeholder coaching is being present, listening, being grateful, saying thank you. So feedback is looking back at things you can't change, mistakes you may have made. Feed forward is now I'm going to give you the tools moving forward so that you can have a more positive and, and safe place to work. Is that, Did I do a good job? You're the CEO. So, so give, give me some feed forward here. Well, hey, your ability to define and articulate feed forward is a measure of my success as the CEO, making sure our coaches are well equipped to uh, talk about the tools effectively. And I think you did a great job. Um, 
Um, yes. So feed forward. It's a it's a critically important tool. And if I were staring down the barrel of this challenge, saying we need to make coaches be more human, we need to make leaders understand that they're leading the whole human. Um, what are some of the tools that you recommend and have brought today for someone to explore who wanted to take a whack at solving some of these challenges? Yeah, well, obviously, inherent in the stakeholder-centered coaching is uh, there are a lot of tools. And like, as you mentioned, they're available to coaches in the portal and so on. A lot of those come from uh, Marshall's brilliant book, What Got You Here Won't Get You There. And so that's one of the tools that I utilize right away. You know, I, I said, look, read this, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll pull out certain chapters that I specifically want them to look at. And, of course, one of the great tools in that book is the list of 23, I think it's, it's 22, but I always add 20. What, 21. How many is it? 21. Yeah, okay. It's 21. My, my list is 22 because I, add in, I need to give more gratitude. So I always add one at the end, which was conspicuously missing, by the way. Anyway, um, and we'll go down that list and I'll say, pick four things that you would like to work on. Give me four things you'd like to work on. And then let's narrow that down to two things that we're going to work on. Because, you know, you can't work on four things. That's, that's way too much. We can maybe work on two. And if we get really good at maybe one of them feel good about, we may go back and grab one of those others. So that's a wonderful tool in narrowing down where we want to focus on, on changing your behavior. Uh, one of my favorite tools uh, from uh, Marshall and Frank is the question, uh, what do you think is easier to change, uh, perception or behavior? And I remember Marshall walking me through this, and I said, oh, I think behavior is really hard to change. He goes, yeah, you got that wrong. <laughs> he said, you know, with the right tools and, and an accountability part, you can change your habit very quickly. I said, yeah, you know, I think that's true, because I remember when I was younger, I used to swear a lot, and I really wanted to stop swearing. And they said, well, he said, well, uh, did you? And I said, oh, yeah, I got really good at it. I stopped swearing s several times, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of practice. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and, and that whole thing about perception, which is so great. And then you explain why it's important to have stakeholders that you check in with. And, of course, you know, personal examples that we can use that you know, with our kids that resonate with people. I remember, uh, was it Frank that said, hey, Chester, if you want to have fun, Text your kids and say, how can I be a better dad? And see what they say. It probably was Frank, right? So I did it. You know, I'm always up for a, an experiment. And I have four uh, adult children at this point. And three of my kids, you know, I, we do this all the time. Oh, you're the world's greatest dad. You know, don't, don't change a thing. In other words, I don't want to play. <laughs> I, I, I know this is a game and you're not going to trick me into doing this again. My engineering son, Brendan, um, responded. He said, you know, Dad, I'm really glad you asked. And he was, you know, uh, going at uh, school out west, uh, and I would have business out there, and I'd always come see him. And there were other kids in our neighborhood that were there, you know. And we'd take him for pizza, or we'd go to a movie or whatever. He'd say, you know, I love it when you come out to visit. The thing is, is you always invite other kids from the neighborhood. And so when it's finally time for you and I to have some one-on-one -on -one time, you've been traveling, you've been working, and you're kind of exhausted, and I don't really feel like I get you know, your, your attention. And even when I'm home, you know, I have a home office and I'd come in and I always felt like you were kind of multitasking and I, I never, so if you want, you know, my feedback, it would be that, that could you be more present? And I went, oh gosh, that's, so of course I responded, well, thank you. Now I missed this step because I changed my behavior. 
And when I went out, I'd always make sure it was just me and him. And he'd come into my office. I'd close my laptop when he was in town. I'd make sure it was maybe just me and him that went to the hockey game or just me and him that went to the movie, you know. Uh, what I didn't do is I didn't check back with him. And I didn't tell him specifically what I was going to do. So after about six weeks, I said, hey, buddy, you know, you said, how do you think I'm doing? He goes, haven't, haven't seen a change. <laughs> my immediate reaction is, you've got to be kidding me. I have gone to great lengths. To change my behavior. Again, you know, Marshall and, and, and you know, Frank in my ear. Just say thank you. And then, I, and then I realized I'd missed that step. And I said, okay, I'll tell you what, Brendan. I'm going to work on it really hard. And here's what I'm going to do. When you come into my office, I'm going to close my laptop, put my phone away, and it's just you and me. I'll make sure when you're here that you and I do something just you and me. And when I come out to visit you, I'll make sure that we have one at one time. Deal? He goes, deal. And then, you know, every two or three weeks, I'd check in and I'd say, Remember, I was going to do this and this is how am I doing? Oh, you know what? I have noticed. So at the end of the next six weeks, I said, so how am I doing? He goes, Dad, you're killing it. You're killing it. Well, I got no credit for the first six weeks, right? Like zero. My behavior was consistent. I didn't check in. And, and that's really powerful, I think, in the stakeholder is when you check in and people say, I have noticed you are getting better. In fact, on a scale of one to five, you've gone from a two to a four. Well, that's incredible validation. So, and, and again, you know, uh, a family experience that I think we can all kind of relate to because we go way out of our ways to make sure that we're the world's greatest parent and we get no credit for it if we don't, if we don't do it right, you know. And if you do it right, it's a pretty thankless job. And if you do it right, they still just remember the things you didn't do right, right? Well, what can you do? No, it's a good, it's a good realization. I think the, the real value you're touching on here is that you know, you're not getting, um, you're not getting business inputs. You're not having a consultant come along and solve a unique problem and they leave and that impact is limited. You're being given these tools that can apply to any relationship you've got, um, to make them not just better, but measurably better through their eyes. Uh, and it can go anywhere that you're going with your relationships. And that's really important. So how have you how have you sustained this? Are you still getting those good scores from your from your son? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, my, my wife and I have a, a a daily practice, actually, and we talk about um, what are three things you're grateful for today? And, of course, it leads to conversations. And, you know, how am I doing? You know, um, my wife and I are very different, and I think that's why it works so well. You know, when, when I'm bothered or something, I, I, I want her ear. I want her around. When she's bothered or something, she wants time alone. And I, and I, I you know, early in our marriage, I learned that the hard way. Uh, and so just, just the other day, I could tell it was, I said, uh, so just checking in, do you need some alone time? She'd go, yeah. And that's all she has to say. It's just, yeah, no eye contact. <laughs> and I'm like, got it. See ya. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, it's, uh, you know, there's, 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 you know, there's that DMZ, you know, that you want to make sure you, you know, you give some space and, and, and it is, it's great. It's, it's great. It's, it, it's made me a better husband. It's made me a better dad, made me a much better grandpa. You know, before we jump, I, 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 I you ask what are some of the tools uh, that you give your coaches? And I, I, I literally have a, I have a group of five books, and I don't give them to them obviously all at once. You can't read five books; you read it one at a time. And I start them off with "What got you here won't get you there." It's it's a great introduction to uh, becoming coachable, you know, and and be coached. I love the book "The Good Life." 
Um, and I'm a big fan of Audible, by the way. Um, you know, if, if if you've got any kind of a commute or a workout regimen or you go for long walks, uh, Audible is, is, is spectacular. And the good life is, again, you know, what creates a long, happy and healthy life. And I think that's, you know, ultimately, ultimately what we want. Uh, the third book that I, I can't recommend more is Clayton Christensen, who, who wrote a brilliant book called The Innovator's Dilemma. That's not the book. His his last um, class at the Harvard School of Business every year was How Will You Measure Your Life? It's a short book. It's a brilliant book. It answers three questions. How will you uh, develop a career that that is meaningful and that you love? Right? How will you love your work? Two, how will you continue to develop great relationships, which ties right back to the Harvard study in, in the book, The Good Life. And the third one I love, and how do you live a life of integrity and stay out of jail? <laughs> I love that last little bit. Because, you know, you're Harvard School of Business, lots of Harvard School of Business grads have ended up in jail, you know, because they forgot to live a life of integrity. And one of the great lines in his book is, be careful when someone asks you to do something just this once. A compromise just this once. Because if you do it once, then they'll know you'll do it again. Right? So um, those those books are, are wonderful. And then um, uh, my two books that I know we're not here to sell, but uh, Leading with Gratitude, which I think is a great way to lead and to live. And Anxiety at Work, How Do You Deal with Mental Health? And then the bonus book that I love, who is also a member of the 100 Coaches, as just as by the way, is almost every book that I just mentioned, um, oddly enough, um, is Michael Bunke Stanier's book, the, the 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 coaching habit. Seven great questions, and what that teaches you to do is ask good questions and listen. Ask good questions and and listen. So, those I think are are, are very powerful tools, and I've I've read every one of those books multiple times, and and will continue to, uh, as part of my you know coaching discipline. And you're giving away a a free chapter. Which of the books is that chapter coming from? Yeah, um, anxiety at work. The chapter I think you know um, it's the number one issue in the workplace, particularly if you're managing a lot of millennials and Gen Z. Uh, it's a wonderful sh- first chapter that just talks about the uh, anxiety um, dilemma, you know, and and, it, and loneliness being such a, a big part of. Uh, anxiety in the workplace, and 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 the first chapter there, and the first chapter of uh, leading with gratitude. If you like those chapters and you decide to get the book, I, I would encourage you to go to uh, Audible on leading with gratitude. The foreword is actually written and spoken by Marshall. Uh, the the book was actually his idea, which was really really funny. It's a longer story that we don't, we don't have time for. It was his idea. I said, you know, you wrote this great book with all these, uh, you know, chapters. It was uh, Work is Life Made Visible, which is a great book. And a lot of chapters were written by different members of the community. And he said, read read it. And if you would promote it, you know, we've got a big following on on LinkedIn. I said, sure. He said, well, what did you think of the book? I said, oh, I loved it. And I love that I knew a lot of the contributors, but I'm, I'm really surprised you didn't have a chapter on gratitude. He said, well, what do you mean? I said, your whole philosophy is thank you. Get feed forward. Be open, you know, to have the courage to ask for how can I be better? And the answer is thank you. And it was so funny, he says, you know, Marshall ever never shies away from a little publicity. Says, well, Chester, you're the world's leading authority on gratitude. 
I'm the world's greatest executive coach. <laughs> we should write a book together. And I uh, said, are you serious? And anyway, because of happenstance, it turned out that he could write the forward and help us promote. He couldn't because he was working on a bunch of other projects. But we would have never written Leading with Gratitude had it not been for Marshall. And it's my favorite book. And and it is it is the attitude. It is the discipline of gratitude that I think is the common thread through every great leader, team, and culture that we studied. And certainly a part of being becoming coachable and becoming a great coach is is these gratitude practices. So... It all comes back to Marshall. You know this, Brandon. All, all, all roads lead to Rome. Well, all coaching leads back to Marshall at, at some point. And, it, and delightfully so, right? Oh, we're very fortunate for that. I mean, like you said, it's good to read these books, know the people, not just by name, but by face and by their families and their personalities. Um, and you've, you've also done quite a bit more work with your podcast, which shares the name of this book. So tell us a little bit about your show. Yeah, another couple of tools that we're offering up um, that we're very proud of is our podcast, Anxiety at Work. We bring in business leaders. We bring in psychologists, psychiatrists, counselors. Uh, it's it's a delight. And they and not only do they share what they're writing or thinking or practices that have made a difference, they also share their personal wellness practices, which I always find fascinating. And as you might guess, a lot of it has to do with exercise and sleep and eating well. Uh, one of my favorite um Wellness practices was a business leader that said, you know, when I get really anxious, you know what really helps me? Multitasking. <laughs> he said, you know, for most people that increases anxiety. She said, yeah, the thing is, I get so busy, I don't have time to be anxious. So, you know, everybody has their has their ways of dealing with uh, mental health and, and being mentally healthy. And then the last one is, we have a wonderful following on, on LinkedIn. And every other week we publish the Gratitude Journal. And we highlight many of the people that we've talked about on, on the podcast. And uh, we're, we're so delightfully surprised. We have like 296,000 subscribers, which just blows my mind away. I've got to figure out a way how to get each one of them to send me a dollar every month. <laughs> just, 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 just a dollar. It'd be great. Um, and, uh, it, it's free. And I would love you to subscribe there. And then we do highlight our podcasts and, and, and some of the other things we do. So it's a great... Um, repository of just wonderful people, great thinking, and and hopefully some encouragement. Oh, it's, I mean, it's meaningful work. It really, it really is, and it's especially needed now um, because we have so many business tools to help us run our businesses more effectively. But we are lacking in kind of foundational mental health tools to help us stay healthy. So, on that note, I mean, what's what are you doing in your personal life to keep yourself? grateful to keep yourself anxiety free or minimized yeah anxiety free i think is a a, a bar that's just a little too high <laughs> for for most of us right if not all of us um thank you for asking you know my wife and i have this wonderful practice we ask each other at the end of the day what are your three um i also in the morning and and it started i i text out just a positive message to a, a bunch of people it started with my dear cousin out in Arizona who's had a stroke and he's not in good health. And it's, it's just really hard to watch. And I said, you know, buddy, I know that when this happens, there's this rush of, of goodwill and help. And then people get back to their regular lives. And I, I don't want you to ever think that you're not in my thoughts and prayers. And so I, I would text him a little something every morning. Well, more and more people found out about it. So now Brandon, I, I, <laughs> 
I text like 50 plus people every morning. Now, I've, I've gotten really good at it. It only takes me about 15 minutes. It's it's nice to get, you know, their responses and little hearts and thumbs up and little comments. It's also really good for me. You know, that little thought. And, and of course, I repeat it, you know, 45, 50 times. So it's really drilled in for the day. Over and above that, I've been a real fan of journaling uh, over the years. I, I have 40 plus journals. I'm very old fashioned. I, I I like the paper journal. I like a fountain. I've got a fountain pen that I use. It's very romantic, I think, and it works for me. And Adrian and I, uh, at the end of the year, are going to have our own gratitude journal. I kept saying, Adrian, I've got all these gratitude journals and stuff. I can't believe we don't have our own. You know, so that's going to come out called the Gratitude Habit, 90 Days to a More Grateful Life. And we're excited to, to have that and give it to our coaches and, that's amazing. And, and people that are important to our lives. Do you have a URL for that already? Uh, we don't. We don't. We're finishing up the uh, graphics and everything this week. Uh, if you if you go to um, LinkedIn and you sign up for our, our gratitude journal, it'll always be there. Follow us on LinkedIn. Uh, we're on all the platforms, but LinkedIn is really where we placed our bet. We've got Instagram. We've got Twitter and threads and, you know, um, all the fun stuff. Uh, we really early on placed our bet on LinkedIn and and, and it's served us well. So and and our regular website, which is thecultureworks.com. So we're we're not hard to find. And if someone wanted to get in touch with you, how would they reach out? You know, I, I know this isn't uh, commonly done. I actually enjoy it. Um, my my email is very simple. It's Chester at ChesterElton.com. And if you're looking for a coach or you're a, you're a, an aspiring coach and you just want you know a little heads up, how do you do it? And or you're looking for somebody to speak at your conference or whatnot, drop me a note. I answer all my emails. I, I connect with me through LinkedIn. Feel free to do that. And I'm such a big fan of stakeholder-centered coaching. <laughs> you know, just seriously, if you, if you want the scoop, uh, we've been doing it for years now. It is life-changing. I remember I, I had a chance to be with Frank down in Nashville. And I always give him a big hug. And I'll say, you know, Frank, there are people in my life that have been absolute game changers. You know, my family, clearly, my father and my, my brothers, teachers I've had and coaches. In my adult life, no one has had a bigger impact on my life for the better than you and Marshall Goldsmith. And I will be forever and eternally grateful. And that's the moment we give each other big hugs. And it's just a great moment. And I know we're wrapping up. The one thing that I want to share with your listeners is something Marshall and I have been talking about over the last little while. And that is, is you know, as a coach or as a leader, whatever it is you do, we, want to, we all want to change the world. And that's a ridiculously high bar and rarely achieved. Mother Teresa, okay, I'll give you that one, right? You know, Buddha, Muhammad, Jesus, okay, it's a small group, you know. I don't know what class they're in, but it doesn't take long to call the roll, you know what I mean? And, and, and yet, and yet we, we say to ourselves, but I want to change the world. Say, great, and you should, you should swing for the fences. The thing is, is that if you're lucky, what you can create for people are good moments, Good moments, as many good moments as you can. And, and Marshall and I have decided to call it a good minute. Give people a good minute. And sometimes in, in the crush of their day and what's going on with their family, a good minute is all they need. 
They, because what does it mean? It means somebody was paying attention. Somebody cared about me enough to send me that text or sit down with me and say, how you're doing? Or send me a book or send me an article or, or, or whatever. And if you create enough good minutes, the ripple effect of those good minutes it can go further than you'd ever imagine. And as Marshall and I were having this conversation, a dear friend of mine had recently passed away. And they're of the Jewish faith. And so we went, my wife and I went down to sit shiva with them. And we were talking about this, this good minute. And I said, you know, honey, we're going to sit with them. And there's no way we can even hope to take away their pain. It's impossible. Our goal is to just create a couple of good minutes for them where they can relax and maybe laugh a little bit, give them a big hug, take away their pain for a minute or two or three. So as leaders, you know, as you embark upon being coaches, don't worry about changing the world. You know, very few people meet that standard. Just decide that today I'm going to do all I can to create as many good minutes as I can. And as Marshall would say, take the win. Take the win. Beautiful. Well, Chester, your reputation filled the room before you arrived, and you've still managed to exceed that. So thank you so much for being here. Uh, for sharing your time. For those of you who are listening on your commute, tuning in at the gym, or watching here on YouTube, if you have a question or would like to recommend a guest, drop me an email to podcast at mgscc.net. And if you like the tool and want to get a hold of this chapter summary, you can get that at mgscc.net forward slash coach dash toolbox mgscc.net forward slash coach dash toolbox. And if you are a stakeholder center coaching certified coach, you can get that inside of your SCC portal right now. So there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, my guest, Chester Elton. Thank you so much for joining us today on this episode of Conversations with Coaches to share this amazing book chapter. You can find all the links to Chester's social, email, and website in the description below. This has been another episode of our series, Conversations with Coaches by Stakeholder Center Coaching, where we believe everyone deserves a stakeholder-centered leader. Thank you for joining this conversation. And until next time, keep learning, keep improving, and keep taking your coaching skills to the next level. Thank you for being my guest today, Chester. You know what, Brandon? It was a delight. It really was. Uh, you can call me anytime. I would be delighted to come back. I would be delighted for us to off camera just chat. I, I love the work you're doing. You're making a difference. So from me to you, thank you. Thank you, Chester. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll see you next time for Conversations with Coaches.